second time guests if you were here today there in your seat was a connect card it's a card that we in fact utilize to connect with you not just with you but with our membership there are a number of things on that connect card um, one if you are a first time visitor you can check that on that card give us your information if you got a prayer request give us that at the end of the worship service we want you to turn it in because Lady Moore and I and the Carolina family want to give to you a gift that would just say thank you for coming and being a part of our worship experience, and we want you to do that. At the end of the worship service, um, if you would take your card to my left at the table that will be there and the personnel there, you can give that card to them and tell them you were first and second time guests. Lady Moore would say you are our VIP today. You are a very important person in our worship service. Carolina, would you help me welcome our VIPs and our persons watching via streaming? I invite you all to be a part of our 21-day fast. It's not too late for you to get in on it. You still have breath in your body. You can do it. Whether it is the Daniel fast or the Speak Life fast or the combination of both, you can go to our website at um, carolinachurch.org, download all of the information you need that will help you with our Daniel fast or our Speak Life fast. Amen. I'm going to jump right into the word of God because I want to give some time today for us to be able to do some other things that are a part of this day. This is Acts Sunday. I want to jump right into the word of God, if you will. I do need you to go with me. I have two passages of scripture that I want you to see today. Two passages of scripture. And I want to look at Mark chapter 9, verses 28 through 29. Some of y'all sitting on the front row for the first time, Lord Jesus. Y'all allowed to feel the Holy Ghost right there. I'm not responsible for what the Lord does. In Mark chapter 9, verse 28, verse 28 and 29, I want to read in your hearing. But I also have another passage I want you to look at in John chapter 3, verse 30. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 28 through 29. I read to you today from the ESV version. Here's what it says. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Watch the next verse, Kwame. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out 
by anything but prayer. The King James Version says fasting and praying. This kind can only be driven out by fasting and praying. You with me? I want you to shift for a moment, if you don't mind, to John chapter 3. Go to the book of John, the gospel of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Look at verse 30 for me, if you will, verse 30. If I'm going to have this power to rid my life of unwanted demons. The text says in verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. I want to preach today from this subject, y'all. I must increase that he may increase. I must decrease, rather, that he may increase. That's the subject for today's message. Be seated in the presence of God. I must decrease that he may increase. Please keep your Bibles open. Go back to Mark chapter 9, if you will. Let's walk through the text together. The disciples, being concerned, when along with Jesus, asked him, why could we not cast that demon out. I do want you all to know that this is a question of frustration. It's a question of failure. And I believe today that I'm talking to some people where all of us have had moments and areas in our lives that were areas of frustration and areas of failure. I believe today that I'm discussing and sharing with people who in fact know what frustration is and knows what failure looks like. I believe that even without your response today that you know what it's like to be labeled a failure. You know what it's like to have frustration. We, like the disciples, just like the disciples, wonder, Lord, why can we not succeed? Why frustration in the area of my life? Why is it that I continue to fail in certain places of my life? Why? What precipitated the question that the disciples asked Jesus was an experience that took place when a father brought his troubled son to Jesus. Please allow me to unfold the context of this text, if you don't mind. The time of the text took place during the third year of the public ministry of Jesus. The occasion of the text was immediately after Jesus had one of his high points of his earthly ministry. The earlier part of this chapter tells us that Jesus had gone up into the mountain with three of his disciples by the name of Peter, James, and John. And there on the mountain, Jesus was transfigured before them. 
he was changed from one thing to something else. I'll do it again for you. I said there on the mountain, Jesus was transfigured before their very eyes. In other words, he was changed from one thing to something else. Peter, James, and John got a preview of the glory of the Lord. They got a glimpse of Jesus for who he really was. They saw the transcending Christ and not merely the human Christ. Bible says during his transfiguration, two men appeared to him. Those two men that appeared to him are Elijah and Moses. Both were talking to Jesus up on the mountain of called, mountain called Transfiguration. Bible says, please keep your Bible open, the Bible says that Peter was overwhelmed by what he saw and he made a building proposal. Bible says he wanted to build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. As soon as he made the proposal, however, a cloud came over them and they heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Are you with me? Uh, he says, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved son, hear him. As, as he made the proposal, cloud came over them. It's in the text. Watch the text. It's on my outline. Y'all, right there, he heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son. I need you to hear him. Bible says they saw no man save Jesus only. Are you with me? I just walked through verse 5 for those who are watching with me on, 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 uh, on live stream. For those of you who are in here, follow me as the text. For those who are at the pro presenter, if you would, log me in right at my text if you don't mind. Right there, verse 5. I want to drop down now to verse number 9. Watch the outline, verse number 9. Verse 9 tells us that they came down from the mountain. Let's go back for a moment. As soon as when, when Peter saw this, Peter made a proposal. I, I heard a voice saying to him, to, to, um, to Jesus in that mist, this is my beloved son, hear him. The Bible then says they saw no man save Jesus only. Verse 9 tells us they came down from the mountain. Now, I need you all to know that this incident or event is recorded in all of the synoptic gospels. Hold up, Pastor. Synoptic, don't give us big words. Synoptic, it just simply means the same. Y'all, the synoptic gospels, Kurt, happen to be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Are you with me? I'm suggesting to you all on today that when you look up at the story of the transfiguration that I'm preaching about today, you will find that in all three Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, our text is in Mark's Gospel, but in order to get a proper overview, I recommend that you take the time over the course of this week and read the other gospel stories as it relates to, the, to the, the transfiguration of Jesus the Christ. In the text, however, recorded by Mark, we're told that Jesus came down. I like this, you all. He came down. But in the other gospels, we are led to believe that they came down the next day. 
But in y'all right here at verse 14, verse 14, we're told in verse 14 that when Jesus came down to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and scribes arguing with them. Are you with me? I'll do it again for you. I said right there in verse 14, that's when, when Jesus came down off the mountain, he saw a great multitude about the disciples and arguing uh, were scribes with his disciples. Now, I need you to note something, you all. On the mountaintop, there was victory. On the mountaintop, there was the voice of God. On the mountaintop, there were the saints talking to Jesus. And yet Jesus left the mountain to go into the valley. Watch this, Elder Mac. In the valley, there are problems. The devil was reigning in the valley. There was a boy who was demon-possessed, a father who couldn't take any more. Religious and scholarly people were arguing in the valley. Isn't it amazing, Carolina, how God can take us to the mountain in order to show us his glory, but then bring us right back to the valley for us to live out his, uh, his mandates? No one stays on the mountaintop forever. I want you to hear me, Carolina. Don't, do not think for one moment that just because you are saved, sanctified, that all of your days ought to be glory days. Because God will take you off of the glory, off of the mountain, and put you in the valley. The disciples were in trouble in the valley while Jesus was having victory in the mountain. The disciples were in trouble in the valley while Jesus was having victory on the mountain. But Jesus expected the disciples to use their faith even in his absence. Bible tells us that Jesus took three disciples with him, but he left nine in the valley. The nine that he left were sufficiently equipped to handle whatever would happen. Verse 14 says this, you all. He came to his disciples. Stop right there. The Bible says he came to his disciples. I, I see you asking, Pastor, why is this important? Listen, you all. The disciples were in trouble. They had attempted to exercise a demon out, but they had failed. And they were being questioned by the intellectuals in the crowd. Jesus comes down from the mountain, and here's why. This is important. Because when you are in trouble, Jesus comes to you. That ought to be good news for somebody. I, I know you've got some stuff in your hands, but y'all, that's worth you clapping for. That's worth you saying, thank God. I'll, I'll say it again for you. I said, whenever you are in trouble, Jesus will come to you. I'll wait on you, y'all, because so many of us have testimonies that God, when I was in trouble, the Lord showed up right on time. God, I, I, I know we've got special colors on today, but don't let your colors mess up your praise because God's been too good for all, with all of us. I said, when we were in trouble, the Lord showed up and made a way out of nowhere. I'll wait on you. I said, when we were in trouble, 
the Lord came right on time and made a way out of nowhere. When I was in the hospital, it was God who showed up and made a way out of nowhere. When I had no more money, won't he come? Won't he show up? Won't he make a way? always comes when you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, I need y'all to help me preach today. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he'll show up every time. Ooh, God. Y'all. What I like about it, y'all, is that, um, so Sherry, you don't have to find him. He'll find you. Oh, man. You, you, don't, you don't have to find him. Jesus knows how to find you. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. Watch the text. I want to suggest today, before I go any further, that even when you fail, even when you don't have it all together, Jesus still comes to you. Oh, hear me today, Troy. Even when we mess up, Jesus still comes to you. That's good news for me, y'all. Even when I mess up, Jesus still comes to me. Come ye who are burdened down. Come ye who are heavy laden. Jesus still comes to us even when we're in trouble. When I've messed up, he comes. I wish I had some folk who know you've been messed up. And God still showed up for you. Come on, please talk to me. I said, y'all, even though you messed up, God still showed up. Even though you got addicted, God still showed up. Even though you went where he told you not to go, God still showed up. Even though you did what he told you not to do, God still showed up. Ah, God. Thank God. He shows up anyhow. Even when we've failed. Even when we have been frustrated, Jesus still comes to you. Bible says they failed in the presence of a crowd of people who wanted to see the exorcism. Watch this, y'all. The scribes were marking the disciples because of their failure. Hear, hear me? Watch this, Latanya. They, 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 were, they, were, they were marking the disciples because of their failure. I want you to note this, you all. The greatest argument, y'all, is not an argument, but an accomplishment. Yeah, the disciples were arguing back and forth with the scribes. An accomplishment can shut down anything people say. The best debate 
is not a debate, but a demonstration. John chapter 9, John chapter 9, there was an incident in which there was a blind man and Jesus healed him, but it was on the Sabbath day. The religious leaders uh, said to the blind man, he healed you on the Sabbath day. He's a sinner. Blind man said, I'm not going to debate you about that. On whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I'll tell you what I do know. Whereas I once was blind. I wish I had some Bible readers here. Y'all, now I see. Y'all, the best debate is not a debate, but a demonstration. Can I drop something on y'all? Y'all, the best way to get people back who don't believe in you is to have success. Folk who want you to fail, you nothing without me. Let me show you. The best way to get folk back who are always trying to get you to fail is to have success. The best way to get people who don't believe in you is to have success. If people don't want to believe in you, debating them will not convince a person whose mind is already made up. Let me help y'all with something, y'all. The non-believing world will either exploit your failures or explain away your successes. The non-believing world will either exploit your failures or explain away your successes. Hmm. They're over in Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 and 34. In Matthew 9, verses 32 and 30 through 34, it says this, and they went out. Behold, they brought to him a dumb and possessed with a man with a death with a brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. The multitude marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, Watch this, he casted out devils through the prince of the devils. In other words, y'all, when the disciples failed, they called them frauds. But when Jesus succeeded, they tried to explain away his success by saying the devil gave him power to do it. Listen, y'all, when you have a person who won't believe no matter what you do, why spend your energy trying to convey to them what you already know? Yo, here's what our prayers ought to be. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom, wait for it, to know the difference. According to our text, y'all, the scribes wanted to know why they couldn't do it. Why can't we do? Why couldn't we do it? Why they couldn't help the father? Let me pause for a moment and ask, where, what, have you ever had someone taunting you after you had failed? Asking you questions that are beyond your ability to properly resolve? These scribes wanted to know, how come we couldn't do this? They asked, why y'all couldn't perform these miracles? If your master is so great, how come y'all couldn't do it? These nine guys did their best to cast out the demon. 
but now they're in trouble. This is the position of the disciples. The Bible says Jesus came to them. He came to them. He came to them in the valley. Jesus asked, why are you questioning my disciples? Go to verse 15. Verse 15. Verse 15 tells us that when the people saw Jesus, watch it, they were amazed. Verse 15. When they saw him, they literally were amazed. 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm back in my text in Mark, not Luke, not Matthew, but take me back to my text in Mark. Watch Mark, you all, Mark 15, uh, verse 15. Watch what he says. Mark 15 tells us that when the people saw Jesus, they were amazed. They were astonished, all right? Now, watch what Mark says to us in chapter 9, verse 15. The people were astonished. They were amazed. They must have had something about, there was something about his presence, his appearance, that literally blew their minds. Now, I want to suggest that the residue of the transfiguration was still on him. Y'all, there's something about being in the presence of God that when you come out from his presence, you remain lit up. Uh, Danielle, Jesus was lit. <laughs> Listen, y'all, it's not possible. It's not possible, y'all. It is not possible to get into God's presence and you come out the same way you went in. If you ever get into the presence of God, people ought to know it. But Bible says, y'all, when they saw him, they were amazed. Bible said after Jesus asked, what question ye with them? Watch verse 17. I'm in verse 17 of Mark chapter 9. Verse 17 tells us a man stooped down. A man stepped forward and said, Master, I brought unto me my son, which have a dumb spirit. The demon would take my boy and teareth him, and, and he foameth at the mouth. He gnasheth with his teeth. He um, penneth away. This young man would be, could be classified as bipolar. Verse 22 shows us the two polarities in the boy. Watch verse 22. And oftentimes it have cast him into the fire. Wait for it. Here it comes. And into the waters. From one extreme to another. The demon is taking him and, and causing him to inflict his own self. Now, you got to appreciate this father. Men, please hear me today. you got to appreciate this father because his father brought his boy to Jesus. Y'all, many fathers would rather send their children to help rather than go with them or bring them to the help. It's a wonderful thing, you all, whenever men take responsibility for being the priest in the household. I can't understand why y'all get mad with the preacher, but the preacher man, because your wife comes to the preacher man and asks the preacher man for prayer. Well, she wouldn't have to come to me and ask for prayer if you could pray. Rather than me grab her hand and pray with her, why don't you grab her hand? 
and look her in the eye and pray for her. Because as men, we're supposed to be the priests of our household. Oh, God. Now, let me help y'all with something because I, I got I to gotta pause here for a moment. Y'all, listen, listen. Prayer is not always what you hear on Sunday morning. Sometimes, y'all, praying is like this. Help! If my wife comes to me and she's ill, y'all, I ain't got time to be like, oh, God, our Father who art in heaven, will you come by and lean your ear and do what you do, lay your hands. You've got all kind of medicine in the hem of your... No, I ain't got time for that. All I got time to do is, Father, we need you. Are y'all hearing me today? I'm talking to the brothers in the house. Y'all, you don't have to use no fancy words. You ain't always going to get fancy words to talk to God. Sometimes all you know is I need help. Let me help y'all with something else. Sometimes, Minister Flowers, we can't get the words out. And all we can say is, mm, God. Let me help y'all. The Bible says he can take our moans and our groans and interpret what you need because God knows prayer is not always made out of words. I'm trying to get y'all to see something here because you all have let the devil close your mouth. I want to suggest, Sister Virginia, you can open your own mouth and tell God, thank you. Cover my family. This man had enough sense, enough sense to go to Jesus. Ah, Cadetta, he had enough sense to go to Jesus. Lord have mercy. I didn't need no permission. My boy is messed up. I'm going to pause here some more, Kurt. When was the last time you took your family and prayed over them? Before your wife left, covered her, said to her, be blessed, go in his name. Your children, I rebuke the hand of the enemy. Y'all, sometimes all you can tell the, the devil is get up off my child. Then I close it out like this, in Jesus' name. So, so he, he brings the boy to Jesus. I got to go. He brings the boy to Jesus. Demons talking, making the boy throw himself in the fire, throw himself in the water. Two extremes. Look at verse 19. Father said to Jesus, hey, listen, <laughs> uh, I brought my boy to, to your disciples and they couldn't. And um, so I'm not quite sure you can help either. Jesus says in verse 19, O ye little, little faith, O ye of little faith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring the boy to me. Verse 20, watch verse 20, Anthony, verse 20. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it, it convulsed the boy. 
he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. Watch what Jesus does. He speaks to the demon in the boy. See, many of us would speak to the boy. <laughs> Jesus spoke to the demon. Elder Mac, Jesus does this. Watch what he does. He calls the demon out. Y'all, see, y'all, let me help y'all. See, y'all too busy fighting against flesh and blood. What you need to be fighting against is the spirit. Jesus called that demon out. Are you with me? And since he is Lord of all, guess what the demon did? It came out. All right. So Jesus reassures the father. He tells him, just have faith. Then Jesus rebukes the demon. Watch verse 23, Jeanette, verse 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Father cries out and said, Lord, I believe, but help thy my unbelief. Y'all, this is the only time in scripture where somebody expresses doubt about Jesus' ability to help. Everyone didn't agree with Jesus, but one thing was for sure, there was a consensus on the fact that Jesus had the power to help in the time of a crisis. They might not have liked his teachings, but they knew he had power in a crisis. One woman was so convinced of his power that she, who had an issue of blood for 12 years, said, I don't have to talk to him, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know he could heal me. Y'all, y'all, another example was four men who had a friend. They tried to get their friend to Jesus because they knew he had power. This father said, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Y'all, he's doubting because the disciples failed and their failure was a reflection on Jesus. Jesus spoke to the demon to come out. Now, because of the authority in his voice, because of his power, the demon came forth. Ah, God. Y'all, I, I mean, y'all, this is the same voice that spoke in creation and said, let there be, and it was. This is the same voice that spoke to the wind and the waves and said, peace be still, and the wind and waves ceased. Bible says, y'all, he called the demon out. Watch it, watch it. I'm almost finished. Y'all, but now that he called the demon out, he gave a second command. He said, um, and don't return to him. Y'all don't even know when to shout. <laughs> he has the power to call the demon out. But he also has the power to tell the demon, never come back. Hallelujah. Y'all, yo, yo, the, the Lord said, y'all, come out. But then he said, don't return. Not only did Jesus heal the boy, but he also guaranteed his future. The Lord not only can get the demon out of us, but he can keep the demon from coming back. Ah, oh, God, y'all, he'll keep you from a relapse. Jesus lift the boy up. I'm sorry, y'all, I said he'll keep you from, y'all, relapsing. Y'all, Jesus has the power to not only heal, but he can also keep the cancer from coming back again. God have mercy. Y'all, he's got power, not just on my right now, 
but he has power in my tomorrow. God, oh, Jesus. Y'all, watch, watch this, y'all. So he, y'all, so the Bible tells us. He, he, he tells the demons, don't come back. He lifts the boy up. <laughs> they thought the boy was dead. When the disciples saw it, the disciples start scratching their heads. Went back to the quarters where they were staying. And they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the demon? I'm in verse 29. Why couldn't we? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Y'all, he said this kind, all of us uh, need to know that all of us, this kind, this kind, all of us got a kind. <laughs> I said, all of us got a kind. I, I got to quit, not because I don't have more message. I have just run out of time. But let me tell you, all of us got a kind. Look, 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 look down your road. There's all kinds on your road. All of us got a kind, y'all. We got something we need God to deal with. Well, I, I come to tell you, y'all, if God can handle your kind, God can handle the other kind on your road. Hey! Okay, all right, watch this, y'all. Verse 20. So, God, I, I can handle, this kind can only be driven out but by, by, by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, I don't know what your kind is. And I don't even know if you've decided to pray and fast these 21 days. But what I can tell you is this. If you want your kind to be driven out, if you want to be healed, if you want to have your future guaranteed, you might need to consider prayer and fasting because this kind can only be driven out through prayer and fasting. Oh, okay, all right, watch this, y'all. Watch, watch this. H hand it to me if you don't mind. I I'll take both. Give me, here, here we go. L let me give this to y'all if I had time. Here's my outline, y'all. I'm going to hit it next week. Here's my outline. Here's the first thing. Y'all, the purpose of fasting. Pastor, what's his purpose? <laughs> what's his purpose? Let me give you the nutshell of it. Y'all, here it is. Y'all, the purpose of fasting is to renounce uh, the natural in order to invoke the supernatural. See, fasting is renouncing the natural in order to invoke the supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Y'all get it quickly. Go ahead and get it. Now, let me show Fasting is renouncing the natural in order to invoke the supernatural. Let me give you something else. Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. If this kind is going to be driven out, I got to be connected to God. But at the same time, I've got to disconnect from the world. Okay? Prayer connects us to God. Give me the next one, please, if you don't mind. Next one. Hit me on the, on the, on the outline. There we go. Here it is. No, I, I can go back. So I ought to have Prayer connects us to God. And then secondly, fasting disconnects us 
from the world. Yeah, fasting disconnects us from the world. All right, go ahead and log it in, y'all. Write it in for me if you don't mind. Fasting disconnects us from what? It disconnects us from the world. All right? Here's the, here's the, here's the first one, y'all, the purpose of fasting. But then there was the people who fast. The people who fast. And then finally, I want to get to the power of fasting. Power of fasting. The power of fasting. The power of fasting. Give me number one again, if you don't mind, please. Number one, the purpose of fasting. Y'all got it? Number two is what? The people who fast. I want us to look at people who have fasted and watch what God did through them. Because if God could do it through them for disconnecting to the world, y'all, from disconnecting from the world, then certainly he can do it for you and I. And then thirdly, the power of fasting. All right? Now, thank you for your time. We're going to pick up here next week. I'm going to work through this. Because what I want to know is, Pastor, what do I need to do to decrease in order for him to increase? What is it? What does God need from me in order for me to have more of him in my life? Everyone standing for a moment. Everyone standing.